Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. If you have a Bible, open to Nehemiah 6. If you have a Bible app, uh, go ahead and open that. However you look at the Bible, Nehemiah 6 is where we're going to be. Uh, We're looking at the incredible story of a man named Nehemiah, just seeing if you're awake. Okay, good, good. And what I know about him is what I know about you. None of you were created by accident. Uh, None of you were created and just left alone. And while God had a plan and a purpose for an ordinary man named Nehemiah, he, he wasn't a pastor, he wasn't a priest. He wasn't a contractor. He'd never worked with cement or blocks before. But God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Now, you know this, but God wants to use you too. And we've heard in this uh, series, as Pastor John and I have taught this together, that God has a plan for all of us to make an eternal difference somewhere. And what we learned from Nehemiah is how do you deal with opposition how do you deal with the critics? Anybody ever have a critic at, at all? Yeah, yeah. Are some of you critics? No, forget it. Don't raise your hand. Well, we, we saw this, that Nehemiah doesn't answer the critics. Instead, he engages with God. He doesn't stoop down to the lower level of people in the mud. And we got a lot of muddy people these days, right? Saying muddy things anywhere that they can. But rather than go into the lower level, he goes to the upper level and he cries out to God. While you're in Nehemiah 6, I take you back to Nehemiah 4 from a few weeks ago. And he says, after I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them the opposition, the naysayers. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. We sang about his faithfulness today. We talked about that. We worshiped him for being a faithful God. And here's what Nehemiah teaches us back in chapter four. Take the focus off of the crisis and put your focus on the faithful one. Look to God. Now, Nehemiah wasn't a prophet. Again, an ordinary man, and God had given him favor. There was no leadership in Jerusalem because remember that Nebuchadnezzar, this evil king, has come in and crushed Judah, wiped out Solomon's temple, the place of worship, burned the gates, and left the city in ruins. Thousands upon thousands of Jewish people were taken into captivity away from their normal place of worship, and their city has no walls and has no gates. In other words, anyone can come in and out and do whatever they want to do to the people that reside there. The economy has collapsed. There's no infrastructure, and here they are. I want to give you a lot of points this morning, so I hope you've got your notes there and a pencil or a pen to write with. There's one in the chair back in front of you. But let me just say this. When the work goes down, oppositions show up. I said to you weeks ago, where there's motion, there's friction. And where there's good, evil raises its ugly head and says, I don't like this. If your enemy can't destroy you, he will distract you. And that's good. I don't want it to go down C Street and go over to 
ocean be gone. Let me say it again. If your enemy can't destroy you, he will distract you. And Pastor John taught us last week about the enemy Sanballat, Tobiah, and a guy named Geshem. And they showed up and tried to distract Nehemiah off the job. And in Nehemiah 6, verses 1 and 2, here's what we see. Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained. Though we had not yet set up the doors in the gates, so Sanballat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. Now, have you ever been to Ono? Well, let me, let me show you the map here. The map will show you that uh, they're in Jerusalem, remember, and Ono is 37 miles away. Now, remember, they're going to travel by foot. It's not like you're driving over to the north end of Santa Maria, about 37 miles. It's not like you're way over on the other side of, you know, 154, 37 miles on the way to Lake Kachuma in your car. This is a walk. And this is a strategic walk for the distractors. Why? Because he will be away from his support system. He'll be out of position from his team. He'll be 37 miles away in a place called Ono. Oh now, you probably know this other Ono, oh right? <laughs> Have you been there before? The land of Ono? Oh, no, you've said this before. I think it's comical that it's actually called the plain of Ono when we've lived in Ono, and some of you have had an Ono experience. Well, in this moment, he's being encouraged to come and get away and go to Ono, and point number one, what we call an opportunity, God often calls a distraction. A distraction. Again, if they can't destroy your work, They'll just attack your courage and your character. If they can't destroy your work, they'll just simply say, well, let's distract you from the cause. Let's get you off the wall. Let's keep you from finishing the gates and the doors. Let's divert you in some way. There's never been an easier time in the history of America to be distracted more than we are today. It is so easy to be distracted. You're, you're, you're working on your computer, you're on your smartphone, you're on your iPad, you're on your device, whatever it might be, and all of a sudden, boop, an ad pops up. You didn't ask for the ad, it just showed up. And have you noticed this? That if you're looking for, oh, let's just say you're looking for tires for your car, all of a sudden, all these tire ads pop up. They know where you've been. I was... Uh, the other day, I had my, my phone just laying there, and I was talking to Debbie about a couple things, and all of a sudden, next time I used my smartphone to access my internet, guess what I saw? All the things I shared with Debbie. Whoo! There's never been an easier time to get on Netflix and binge, to get on Hulu or Roku. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's, it's, uh, I have no time to explain it. There's never been a time to have more information and data. And I'm just going to say this to you. A lot of Christians today are more distracted than ever. I don't have any time to read the Bible. But I had 12 hours to watch my favorite show. 
I don't have any time to pray. And when we start to pray, what happens? All these messages in our head. I had a lady share with me recently, whenever I have a quiet time with God, my brain doesn't go quiet. Everything I've seen or heard this week, every Facebook post, every TikTok, every Twitter, every Instagram, it's all coming back at me. Does anybody else know what I'm talking about? Am I the only one? Is she the only one? It's never been an easier time to waste your time. Hmm. So going back to chapter 6, verses 2 to 5, but they were scheming, watch this, to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I love this. I'm carrying on the great, what? Project, and I can't go down. Hmm. In other words, I'm not coming off the ladder. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? And four times, four times they sent me the same message. And each time I gave them the same answer. Don't you love Nehemiah? They're persistent, but so is he. And then the fifth time. (laughs) So Nehemiah rejects all their meetings. No, 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 nope, 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 nope. Oh, no to your oh, no, I'm not going. (laughs) Five attempts to discourage him and scheme against him. Can, Can I just give you permission? Get ready. I'm going to give you permission to understand that no is a complete sentence. When I say no to people for something or anything, usually what they say to me, well, how come you can't do it? And I go into this long explanation of why. Let me just help you. No, I can't come down. No, I can't come down. See, even Jesus said no. You know why he said no? Because it always says early that morning he went away to be with God the Father, and later that day he told the disciples, no, we can't go to Capernaum. But Capernaum would be a great marketing strategy. If you go there, people would want to follow Jesus Christ Incorporated, LLC. And what does he say? Nope, can't go there. Because Jesus said things like this, and I love this. I am saying what the Father says. I'm doing what the Father does. And Jesus wasn't being mean. He was being wise. If you're always available to everyone, eventually you'll have nothing to give to anyone. Good morning. Now, some of people, not you, not this service, not you online, but some of you are good at saying no to everything all the time. Can you help with kids' ministry? No. Can you help? No. You didn't hear the rest of the sentence. I know it's no. You told us no is a complete sentence. I don't need you to complete your sentence in order for me to tell you no. No, no, your neighbor needs help. No, pretend like we're not home. No, here come the kids again, trying to sell that again. No, 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 no. You must be strategic about your no, but you also need to be strategic about your yeses. God, what are you calling me to do with my life? So four times, let's meet. No. And the fifth time, Scripture says, the fifth time, Sanballat, and we learn from Pastor John, this is a bad guy. His servant came with an open letter in his hand, and this is what it said. Look at Nehemiah 6, 6, and 7. It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says, it's true. Ever had somebody tell you? It's true that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building a wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you're about to become their king. 
and have an appointed prophets to make this proclamation that you in Jerusalem, there's a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king, so come, let us meet together. Because if you try to take the king's place, you could lose your life. Nehemiah, bad things are going to happen to you. No, they're not. Yeah, but it's true. There's a rumor. There's a rumor going round. Something. Oh, forget it. <laughs> Here's the side note. Can I give you this great quote? I'm not preaching this to you. I'm just giving you a quote from someone. Rumors are carried by haters, spread by fools, and believed by idiots. By the way, you got that free with the price of admission. I think that's, yeah. I've heard it before, but I had to really scour the internet, that wonderful thing we have, and find out the guy whose name I can't pronounce, it doesn't matter, but he said it. Isn't it true? Rumors are carried by haters, because haters are going to hate, 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 hate. You will never do big things if you're distracted by small-minded people. And we know this so well, that hurt people hurt people. But I shared with our, our men's group on Wednesday night that healed people heal people. We always hear hurt people, hurt people, but healed people, healed by Jesus, are able to bring healing to others. So here's Nehemiah's reply. Get ready in verse 8. I sent him this reply. I, I, like, I love this. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You're just making it up out of your head. You ever had somebody come against you and they've made up everything out of their head? He says, there's no truth to this story. Yeah, but we heard it from a reliable source who said it was true. Well, they're a hater. And, 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 and if you spread it, you're a fool. And if you believe it, you're a what? Oh, you said it, not me. Okay. We went to church, the pastor said, hey, we're idiots. No, I didn't say that. See, don't, I just want to talk to you just for, for, let me come over here. Don't allow someone's opinion of you to keep you from living out God's call in your life. I'm serious. I wonder how many people have stopped in their tracks. They were following God and pursuing God. Don't allow someone's opinion of you. Well, you go to church. Why would you ever go to church? Well, because I, I want to grow in my faith. Oh, that's a fable. It's not true. Yeah, well, I read my Bible too. Yeah, stop reading that. Here, read this instead. If we listened to everybody that came against us, we would never get anything done. Allow opposition number two to make you, get ready, more determined. Where did I get this? I got it from Nehemiah. Verse 9, chapter 6, they were just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us to stop the, the work. So I continued the work with either, even greater determination. And when, when difficulty comes and when tragedy strikes, when opposition comes, we should rise up and say, no way, neener, neener, neener. I'm going to rise up with greater determination. Why? Because greater is he that lives inside of me than he that's in the world. Thank you. That was a good amen. Number three, live open to the Holy Spirit and the gift of discernment. 
A discernment, I, I define as a needle in your soul that goes off. You don't always know what's wrong, but you know something is wrong. Once my, my son, Brian, I think he was in middle school, he brought some kids over to the house to play, and my needle was like a Geiger counter, beep, 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 around these kids, and I go, what is that about? And the one kid made a comment, red lights are flashing, you know, danger, danger, danger. And it was true, and I talked to my son, and I said, hey, Brian, uh, this kid, this one kid, tell me a little bit about him. And he, I won't take time to tell you, but he disclosed some things about this kid that weren't good. And I just prayed a simple prayer. Lord, keep my boy from him. <laughs> and make sure he doesn't come back to my house. This is the craziest thing what I'm going to tell you. His dad got a promotion and a job, and they moved away to another state. Woo, I, I, I still get goosebumps thinking about it, you know. <laughs> Keep him away from our boy. One time he brought a girl to the house. Beep, beep, beep. Anyway. <clears throat> they dated for two weeks, and <laughs> Debbie and I held hands and prayed so hard. Lord. Because you don't want to tell your kid, like, ah, you know, don't, don't pursue her. But I did, we just prayed so hard. And, and then he met this wonderful girl and married her. We could not be happier. Yay. And they met at Camp Cedarcrest, four-score camp, when they were in middle school. Ah, yay, yay. Okay, discernment. Back to discernment. Because there's a counter up there telling me I only have so long. I want you to catch this. This is very, very important. Nehemiah 6, 10 to 13. One day, I went to the house of, how do you say his name? Huh? Good. Shemaiah. Yeah, yeah, good. Okay, it gets better. Who was shut in the house... He said, let us meet in the house of God. You ain't going to oh no, but how about the temple of the Lord? Now, Nehemiah, because of his position, he would have access to the temple. And let us close the temple doors. You, you see how this is? Come into my parlor, said the spider to the fly. Come upstairs, my pretties. Come on. It's the same thing. Because men are coming to kill you. Not true. By night, they're coming to kill you. Not true. But I said, should a man like me run away? Or should someone like me go into the temple to save his own life? I will not go. Yay, Nehemiah. We should all say, yay, Nehemiah. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sanballat, the bad dudes, had hired him. They paid him to be a false prophet. And because of the discernment inside the heart of Nehemiah, he was able to know all that. And he had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this, using my position for advantage for myself and give me a bad name to discredit me. We're going to lock the doors. We're going to be safe. And what's interesting is Nehemiah, again, had the actual authority to go in there and be safe, but he wouldn't do it. Why? Because he remains a servant to God. That is his paramount position. Here's what Nehemiah would say. It was not about me when we started. It's not going to be about me now. Didn't come here to make a name for myself. I came here to serve God and build a wall. Mm. Someone has said this, new levels, new devils. Huh? 
Somebody says, I want to get promoted at work. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for, but it's more money. Yeah, new levels, new devils. The more you rise up, the more success you have, the bigger the target becomes, the more fiery darts are coming at you. <laughs> so let's just all go home and live in a hole and not... No, 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 no. Now, I want to take you to Nehemiah 6, 3. I love this. My favorite verse in the Nehemiah story. So I replied by sending this message to them. To who? To everyone that had spoken against him, by all the opposers, to those who tried to get him to go to Onel. He says, I'm sending this message to you. Would you read it with me? I am engaged in a great work. Let's say it again. I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Whew. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? I'm living at a higher level. I'm not coming down to the lower level. I'm not going to get down in the mud with all you people. He says, I, I'm doing a, what's, what kind of work? Great work. Listen. I want you to hear my heart. LFC is doing a great work. Some of you who care for your neighbors doing a great work. Some of you at work, and you're the only light that shines for Jesus at work. You're doing a great work. Some of you are teaching children, and some of their parents don't really respect you. Some of the kids don't respect you either. I talked to a teacher the other day. The disrespect level is pretty high these days. You're doing a great work. Some of you are helping raise your children and your grandchildren. You're doing a great work. Moms of little ones, parents of teenagers, don't come down. Stay on the ladder. You're doing a great work. But Pastor B, I got two kids in diapers. <laughs> this will pass. <laughs> You're doing a great work. Some of you are caring for your elderly parents. And maybe they don't even know your name. I've been there. You're doing a great work. Some of you are on our prayer team. Some of you help clean up the campus. Some of you are serving in our kids' ministry. Some of you are on our youth team. Some of you are on the tech team, the worship team. Some of you volunteer at the library. Some of you volunteer different agencies in town. Some of you are connected with or raising funds for the Boys and Girls Club. I have a long list, but I just want to say to you as your brother and pastor, you're doing a great work. And it may not seem like you are, but you are. To my new staff member, Pastor John, you're doing a great work. And seeing your boy up here and your wife, Wendy, they're doing a great work. And I love his high-pitched voice. He's doing a great work. You guys are doing a great work. People are watching online. They've given their lives to Christ. Our tech team doing a great work. We baptized 20-plus people a few weeks ago. It's a great work. Yeah, it's a great work. And here's a word for you. Oh, by the way, and some of you are trying to pay off your debt by making extra payments. Take it from the Jewish pastor. You're doing a great work. You're doing a great work. Don't give up. Nehemiah is a lesson of don't give up. Yeah, but they said, and she said, and they said, don't listen to them. Yeah, but you don't know, Pastor B. It's, it's hard when they're going at it. Like I wouldn't know. Yeah, 
I've been places where I've overheard conversations about me, and they don't know who I am. <laughs> so I walk up to him. I say, oh, I go to his church. <clears throat> he's really, he's, he's committed to the community. He's a nice guy. He needs to lose weight, but he's a nice guy. <laughs> That's what I say. <laughs> so here's a, here's a word from the Lord for you. I, I really know this is his word. And it comes from his word, Galatians 6, 9. Can, can we read it together as a promise to ourselves? Let us not become weary in doing good. No, let's read it again. Let us not weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Here's the word. You came, I want to hear a word from God today. That's it. Don't you dare give up. Don't you dare listen to the naysayers. Don't you dare let someone tell you, I can't believe you're following Christ. Don't you dare listen to them. Because, number four, God's word and God's work always, always prevail. If he said it, it's going to happen. Great is your faithfulness. You've never failed me yet. Mm. The greater the opposition against you, the greater the opportunity for God to fight for you. And he's a good fighter. We always see Jesus as a passive savior. And I remember my first time seeing a picture of Jesus. I was a little kid, a Jewish kid, and I went into the house of a Christian guy, and I saw this picture of Jesus. You know the one where he's, it's a side view like this? And his hair is back, and he's got a straight smile like Mona Lisa, and he just looks like a passive wimp. That was my first picture of Jesus. All the Christian bookstores had them. I, I see him with these big arms because he was a carpenter and they didn't have power tools. He had huge guns. Huh? He carried his own cross. He couldn't do it if he was a, a, a wimp. Is that okay to say wimp? I was going to say another word, but wimp. And I see him as a warrior king, a fighter. And when he's dying for us, it's not just a passive death. He is shaking hell to the core. He's purchasing our salvation, our eternal life. If you believe in Christ, you'll never die. I, I just, I see him as able to come and take the devil by the throat. Huh? Don't you? And by the way, if you read Psalm 140 and 141, we're on in Psalm 140. We do a, a Psalm study. Some of you don't even know about this. You can get it on our YouTube channel. Some of you don't know we have a YouTube channel, but we do. And in Psalm 140, it, it, it's an imprecatory psalm. In other words, David tells God, you take care of my enemies. He doesn't take vengeance on himself. He says, Lord, you get them. And the devil, hmm. Jesus has the power to push him back. Now, some of you love to pray, you know, and curse the devil. Hey, whatever makes you feel good. I go, I go to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, Jesus, there's this lie being told. There's this person over here. I feel the devil over here. Will, will you help me out here, Jesus? Because it's in your name the demons trouble. And I say his name a lot. I do. I quote his name all the time. Now, if you want to scream at the devil, again, you go right ahead. There's theology to back you up, and, and that's good. But I, I call the big guns in, the one with the big guns. 
And I, that's why I say greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Why? Because, because he is so, so very strong. Verse 14 and 15. Remember Tobiah and Sanballat? My God, because of what they have done. That's imprecatory too. You deal with them. Remember also the prophet. How do you say that name? Well, I say it this way, no idea. <laughs> huh? No idea. And how she, ooh, female prophetess, and the rest of the prophets have been trying to intimidate me. So the wall was completed on the 25th day of Elul in 52 miraculous days. It hadn't been done in decades. No one could do it. You see, but the same God that called Nehemiah is the same God that empowered and equipped him. And what I love about this story is there's no supernatural miracle from heaven. There's no talking donkey. There's no burning bush. There's no bricks that fall from the sky. There's no parting of a Red Sea. There's no 10-foot angel. There's no eyes blazing with fire. There's no Avengers, Iron Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, or 007. It's just a man called with a purpose, anointed by God, empowered by God to rally the troops, have a trowel in one hand, a sword in the other, and to believe that we're not going to give up until God sees the project and the process through. He sat down and cried in the first chapter. He knelt down and he prayed and he stood up and he acted. And all through the story, he sought God faithfully. I encourage you to do the same. He made his plans carefully. He inspired people passionately. He pushed back the critics and he kept his eyes I almost said he kept his eyes on the prize. That's true. He did. He kept his eyes on God. He focused on his God. Nehemiah 6.16. And the worship team's going to come back and we're going to sing in just a moment. When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized what? This work had been done with the help of our God. And there's our testimony. Live in such a way that God has to empower you. Live in such a way that God has to do what he only can do. And then people will, around you will say this, God did that. God did that. God kept that marriage together. God provided you with the job. God kept your kids from going off the rails. God brought them back. God opened the door. God helped you find a good church. By the way, this is a good one. Like the lady said, I just work here. Who was it that was glorified? And while we teach about Nehemiah, we can't separate it from the power of God who called him and provided for him. And in the midst of setbacks, gave him the victory that he had. The Holy Spirit is reinforcing his call in your life. 
And please don't let anyone talk you out of it. Many of us that have been around for a long time, have followed Jesus for a long time, we would not change a thing. The only thing I ever hear from people is they should have committed their life to Christ sooner. That's the only thing. No one ever complains because they gave their life to Jesus and trusted in his faithfulness. So if you don't know Jesus as your savior, this morning would be a great time to say, Lord, I've had people oppose me. I've heard things about myself I, I've started to believe, but here's what I want you to know. That God loved you so much, he gave his son Jesus for you. And the one with the big, big guns surrendered himself to the cross because he loved you that much. And while he's dying on the cross, he says these words, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And those words speak down the quarters of time to you and me. And those words are spoken on our behalf. Father, forgive them. And Jesus wants to forgive you today as you believe in him, the one who died and rose again from the dead. And I would encourage you, even as we sing this last song in just a moment, to stop by our prayer team and just say, this is my day, I'm giving my life to Christ. They'd love to pray with you and, and uh, provide you with a, a packet to get started on your journey. So let me pray. Father God, stir our hearts. Speak to us. We repent for the times we've believed the naysayers, or we've, well, we've surrendered to the enemy at times, listening to his lies. The time we've allowed distractions to come and to stop us from building what you've called us to build in our lives and in the lives of others. Lord, use us in, in our families, our neighborhoods, our workplaces. Use us in this church, in this community. God, give us your heart. Fill us with your spirit and use us. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.